I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. And let's talk about what lessons have found. Let's hang out. And let's listen to two lesbians shout. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Les Hangout, the podcast that's sorry, not sorry, for fucking up your life. I'm your host from the West Coast, Lee Holmes Foster. And from the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida, and we are so excited to bring you episode 11 of season 2, Most Likely to be Queer, with Allison Stoner. To those of you who have been with us through this whole journey, thank you as always for listening. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're excited to have you here. And here's what's happening this week. This week in the Lesdom. This week in the Lesdom is somewhere that we can touch base every episode to chat about what's happening with the podcast, with our lives, with the greater Les universe. As always, we are going to kick this segment right off with our New York show. It's coming up so, so soon. We are so excited. We have seen an influx of ticket sales this week and we're super pumped about it. So yes. we hope to see you all there in Brooklyn at the Bell House, February 18th. And we have we all of our guests solidified. have our lineup. Are super excited to be joined by Jess Tom, Elsa Waith, and our favorite, Carolyn Bergier. They are all three going to be there, and we are super excited for all of the fun, should have been gays, that we're going to be talking about. So do not miss it. Come hang out. Yes. And we also are going to be doing a live show at Klexicon. So if you're coming to Klexicon, we would love to see you there. We're also super pumped about that. 
And hopefully you'll see some of your favorites as guests. We're still working yes. on it, but it will be great. We also are announcing still our Taboo Toys contest has been extended through February 1st. So if you have tickets to the live show, send us a picture of those tickets. You could enter to win a she-she scissoring vibrator. If you have pictures of you and possibly with some other people, post those pictures. Tag us. Tag at by Taboo Toys. You could win a Svacom Luna and Celine vibrating remote bullet combo. So do not miss out. Thank you, Taboo Toys. They want to give you all sorts of fun toys. And so do we. That are taboo. Yes. (laughs) And in the greater Les universe, the L word just turned 15. It's crazy. That is so insane. What a trip. We posted all over our social media. People have been commenting about their experiences with the L word. I know for me, it was a really big part of my coming out process. I know a lot of you feel the same way. So it's just crazy. We'd love to celebrate it. We also did have someone post about watching the L word like last year or something for the first time and talking about how problematic and how... Like so many things, it hasn't aged well. it has not (laughs) aged very well, but I choose to love it for giving me a group of women who were all gay that I could be like, wait, this is normal. And that was a big deal. And I think still is a big deal. We don't really have another show quite like The L Word. Except for The L Word reboot, right? Yes, which here we go. <laughs> There's no other show like The L Word except for The L Word. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and with that, back to you, Ellie and Lee. Thanks, Ellie and Lee. So as we said, we are so excited this week. We are talking to multi-hyphenated entertainer and activist Allison Stoner. Allison... Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. That's quite the introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Multi-hyphenated is the best description for Allison. You do so many things. Do you want to just give a quick bullet point list of all the things that you're doing? Wow. (laughs) The resume goes as follows. You know, I'd say the easy ones are acting, singing, and dancing, And that spins off into directing, editing, research, composing, you know, it's kind of whatever you need to do as a freelance artist to get through the day and pay rent, but also Mm -hmm. expand your mind. So I have, you know, hobbies like studying neuroscience on the side. How do you study neuroscience on the side? Like reading books or you take classes? (laughs) So thankfully I have very smart friends and I use their textbooks and references or I'll go and read like peer-reviewed journals and and articles, essays, you know, the casual norm. That's super cool. I mean, yes. I feel like I can say yes. I totally get that. (laughs) Yeah, at least. As as the nerd of this pair, yeah. Uh, (laughs) I feel you. Why neuroscience specifically? Well, as we'll get into it, I'm sure. I come from a family that was pretty chaotic, had plenty of dysfunction, and I think just being in survival mode forced me to learn a lot about myself and my inner wiring. And I I opted for that scientific route because I think it helped me kind of put some of the emotional trauma to the side and just look at things in a formulaic manner. Um, But then over time, it just grew more and more fascinating to me. And I ended up working with an emotional intelligence development app and music supervising, writing music that would help kids understand lessons melodically and structurally. And it's just kind of like a beautiful um, interface between art and science and anything I can do to make 
kids and people more interested in how things work, I feel like is not a bad use of my time and energy. Nice. Very cool. Very cool. Well, some of you in our audience probably know Allison from a multitude of things. Dancing in Missy Elliott's Work It video, of course. Cheaper by the Dozen. She was on a bunch of Disney Channel things. (laughs) And now she has an amazing YouTube channel. And we are here to talk to her about her journey with her sexuality of course right yay lesbians (laughs) i mean i think most of you have seen her teen vogue article i read it and immediately wanted to reach out i I reached out i think like the second after i read the Mm. the article and it's taken us a while to get to this point but i'm so happy that you're here to talk to us yes me too Bring it on. Yeah. Let's talk. Yeah. The article was awesome. And it was so, you just were very honest and open. And I think that's a really hard thing to do with like one person, let alone here, let me put this out to the whole world. So, right. Well, so Teen Vogue approached and offered the option of doing an interview or having me write the story myself. And I knew in less than a tenth of a second that I would be penning it. I've always been an avid writer, so I trusted my ability to structure the story and and articulate the different moments appropriately. And also, by that point, I'd written a dozen songs about the relationship, a thousand, you know, diary entries and a like a <laughs> million texts to people about her. So, you know, all the information was at my fingertips and it was fairly processed and refined. And the story itself actually took place several years ago. I waited because I didn't want to react impulsively. I, I wanted to be completely capable of like handling the inevitable criticism. But I'm really glad that the editor didn't. There were a few a few blurbs that they were like, all right, if you're not prepared to prove that this happened, then you can't share it because, you know, there's a there are a lot of layers to the story that run even deeper than the article, specifically one about being in church. That was where they were like, all right, if you don't want to go into this, you probably shouldn't mention spirituality. And I said, no, this <laughs> this cannot be removed because this is precisely what's going to send thousands of people to my DMs as it did saying, I feel this. I understand it. I live it. Yeah. Please help you know, so they don't feel as alone. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think any of us knew that the article would go viral in that way, but I'm so glad that it really came from my fingertips. Truly. Yeah, you, you mentioned in the article that it had been, you know, years, you know, working through it yourself, coming to terms with everything, therapy, prayer, like all of this stuff. When did this all sort of like start, like that realization to like the Teen Vogue article? I mean, that it seems like there was like a decent chunk of time, which I think is is something that most people in the queer community really relate to, that it's like, mm-hmm. it's not like you just wake up one morning and you're like, oh, I'm like totally gay. How cool. <laughs> I'm gay today. Hey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knew? Um, yeah. I mean, it's like there's a lot of time and work and like stuff that goes into that, you know? Yes. I think there came a point where I wouldn't be able to honestly tell stories in my art and career without mentioning her 
I knew I'd eventually slip up in an interview and I would use a female pronoun and be at the mercy of the public speculating as opposed Mm. to having control over the narrative. And, you know, some artists intentionally use that controversial angle. That's just never been my MO. And secondly, you know, I was also facing pressure from within the relationship to to prove I wasn't afraid or ashamed of showing my affection, which is understandable. No one wants to feel hidden. And, you know, I ended up waiting years the, the tricky thing about having a platform is you're constantly choosing between protecting your own privacy, which ultimately protects your loved ones, uh, whether they can appreciate that or not. Some feel hidden and some are like, oh, thank God, I don't have to deal with it. Or opening up to the world in the hopes of inspiring or affecting a mass amount of people on a topic. So it was sort of a combination of events, especially you know, acknowledging the discrimination of the community politically, socially, et cetera, that I felt ready to share this part of my life. And that really opened the floodgates. I'm not, (laughs) I'm not sure I was quite prepared. When you say open the floodgates, like how many people reached out to you and, or what, what were some that really stuck out is probably an easier question. Yeah. Um, you know, the response was a mixed bag. Having come from the church, I I got messages every day praying for me and and begging for me to see the light of Jesus. I also mm-hmm. received just as many messages from kids struggling with their sexuality in the church, uh kids of pastors often, and they said they they felt less alone. And, you know, then I had the out and proud lesbians treating me like the normal human I am, thank God. Um, (laughs) And, you know, I'll say I wish I had a a better sense of humor about it. But it, it kind of disturbs me to repeatedly see people saying that they knew I was gay or queer based on the roles I played. And, you know, Mm. like, first of all, I have no say in the roles I book. And oftentimes for child actors, if one thing works, then that becomes your stereotype. I mean, there were numerous girly girls who played Butch because one character became popular and it doesn't always correlate to their like personal reality. And that's why we're actors for a reason. And then secondly, Obviously, how I dress does not automatically guarantee a certain sexual orientation, even if there are trends and overlaps, you know, but it's like my sports teams growing up were almost entirely made up of straight women, save one or two girls. And the dance community wears sweats and baggy clothes. And like, trust me, plenty of people are straight and homophobic, no matter how they present themselves. So... Mm You know, just oh, like I'm sorry, did you not get the uniform memo when you came out? <laughs> someone should someone should be sending that to you shortly. Don't worry about right? it. Right? It's like yeah. You know, just having people comment on something that you didn't know about yourself as, as if they're an expert. It, it kind of it hurts. Like I I know mm-hmm. it's supposed to be funny, but this took a hell of a lot of a pain and suffering to unpack religion and be cut off from loved ones and, you know, experience tremendous hurt in relationships. You're so confused. You're going through your identity crisis. And like, I try to make fun of myself and be lighthearted, but damn, like those years were the worst and hardest. And yeah. And I want to stay available and sensitive to the people, that one person in the back of the room who's not yet joking along because they're not yet out and proud and self-accepting. Yeah. There's so many things that like surround your whole story, right? Because it's not, I mean, first of all, like coming out, 
publicly, like, as a public figure is always tough to begin with. Um, there's, like, a lot that's going to factor into that. And then I think on top of that, it's not just coming out as a public figure, it's coming out as someone who's a child star. Like, there's so much that I that I assume has to factor into that, you know, where it's like, you're mm -hmm. already trying to fight this view of, like, escaping right. the childhood stage of your career. Right. You know, and that's something that's also really hard, because it's something we talk about um, that comes up on the podcast a lot, is, like, any type of, like sexuality, uh, whether it's, um, being gay, whether it's being bi, whether it's, like, being pan, whether it's, uh, you know, other, like, queer identities, like, being trans, mm -hmm. being non-binary, like, all of these things get so hyper-sexualized, uh, in society, right. you know? Right. And so it's, like, as soon as you start mixing that with, like, anything that has any involvement with, like, kids, mm -hmm. like, that gets really complicated also. Yes. Yeah. What has that been like when you're doing that? Like, A, you're trying to, like, transition from, like, one career to, like, now being, like, a grown-ass adult with a career that's, like, a totally different <laughs> thing, you know? And, like, yeah. doing that and then also trying to, like, have this whole new part of yourself that, like, people have to add on top of that. Yeah, I guess, hmm. So, I guess painting some context might be helpful I have to remember that as an artist in the public eye, I am considered a product and a brand first, and I am not perceived as Allison the human. I am a mirror for the audience to see themselves and project their own experiences and beliefs onto me. So to one person, I'm a hero. The next, I'm the devil. To some, I'm sincere. Others, I'm fake. You know, many people hate me because I look like their crush or I, I, I worked with their crush or I look like their ex and, you know, others love me because they went through something similar to my character that I, Allison didn't go through. So I have very little say in public perception and less support for, for Allison, the human. And that's really hard because simultaneously, like you said, um, you know, actors and artists are thrown into the gauntlet of auditioning where our job is to win the studio's approval based on how truthful and compelling and honest we can make our performances. So we, we pull from real pain, we're using real vulnerability, and it takes a lot of mental and, and emotional uh, dexterity to shift gears from how I approach the audition room to how I answer questions in a press junket to how I relate with fans and strangers who recognize me. You know, and I've been doing it since I was six. So mm -hmm. thankfully, like I started therapy super young and respectfully, like we see how many of my peers are faring. They're not necessarily doing that well holistically. Yeah. But all that to say coming out as a child star was going to bring layers, but it was also going to bring liberation for myself and for other people. So, you know, you do it anyway. You look at the risk, you know, the sacrifice and you go for it anyway. And you know, knowing that everything's going to be filtered through the receiver's bias, no matter what you try to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's one, I love the plug for therapy, A plus, everyone should <laughs> yeah. be in therapy. It's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. But the other thing that I really love about this is like, so 
Ellie and I went last year for the first time to Clexicon, which is like a convention in Vegas all about like queer female representation in the media. We're going again in April. We're super pumped. And what's really interesting about that is an awful lot of the uh, people who attend, like actors and stuff, are straight, like straight actors playing gay characters. And I think for them, it's always like really eye-opening to realize like how important their characters are to mm. queer people. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's, it, it is, there's like a, a vastly different thing when you ha- don't have that same lived experience as your character, right? right. Uh, and so it's, right. it's so funny to like hear it from the complete opposite side now of being like, this is just like a person that I play. Um, that's not it's not me. <laughs> right. And, you know? and yet it is. It's it's right. the duality, right? It's everything is multidimensional. I am both one million percent honest and one million percent like confabulating everything as an actor. And I'm mm-hmm. identifying and yet I'll never totally know what a lot of those scenarios feel like. So it does help you empathize with with people of all walks of life, I will say that. But it definitely opened my eyes as well, even when I started to watch shows. I mean, you know, of course, Orange is the New Black, like my, my ex yes. and I would watch. <laughs> and just seeing two women being affectionate with each other or rough with each other in just different ways with sexual tension and being like so uncomfortable at first because it was never permitted in mm-hmm. my uh, other communities and almost like getting nervous that someone might be watching me, watching it, judging me. And then finally becoming more and more comfortable as like, oh, this is normal. I'm not strange. I'm not awkward and off and something's not wrong with me. And after I came out, people people say it's not uh on purpose but i ended up playing like three either bi pan sexually ambiguous characters like <laughs> right after and yeah. i was like really you didn't hear about the article but now right. after 20 years you want me for oh, this okay. oh an article what article what are you yeah, talking about right. <laughs> amazing you talk a little bit about like people seeing characters but it also is really important for people to see real people in positions like yourself like coming out and like this isn't just my character like this is me so I mean I just think it is so important what have been some of the positives about coming out publicly I know obviously there have been a lot of hard things about it what do you Mm -hmm. think are some of the positives yeah I mean it's accompanied by a ton of personal transformation it's sort of like the the beginning of the unraveling of an old self that was kind of hiding and protecting my real self. And so I I definitely am enjoying feeling empowered and liberated. And you can see it in my decisions. I'm saying yes to things and no to things in opposite ways. I'm navigating conversations differently. My values Mm -hmm. are making my decisions more than just kind of being afraid of doing the wrong thing or what people think. So it's just, it's just kind of, in conjunction with overall uh, liberation and empowerment. And then the interactions with people, it's almost like, you know, you've been living in an invisible dome and you didn't know it was above you. You couldn't see, but everyone else was in on something. And now you get to like, just talk 
at face value. What what is this? What's really going on? And and you're not protected by that weird barrier of like political correctness and like we just don't talk about that. Keep that to yourself. Yeah. And now it's like, you know, I came forward, so when I walk in the room, I know how you feel about me. Before when I was hiding, I I got to go into every room and just be a nice a nice young girl. And now <laughs> I can pretty much uh, tell you nice what you believe. Gay girl, come on. But you know, it's like you you get to you get to meet people in a whole new level of authenticity. Yeah. But then that's how you have good conversations. We also say all the time that like you come out and you sort of do you have like a gay puberty, you know? Yes. Because because I feel like most I mean, and I get like some people come out very young and like or they know that about themselves very early. But I think for a lot of us, you know, it's more common that you're coming out like maybe end of high school, college, even like after college. And so I feel like you do, you kind of have to go through this like second puberty phase of being like, okay, I figured out how to be me. Now I have to figure out Absolutely. how to be like gay me. Gay me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And just the emotions. How has gay puberty been? Oh, <sighs> I, I love that term because I would bring this up with my therapist and say, you know, I'm, I never grew up having crushes on guys. So I feel like I'm 11 near this woman <laughs> and it feels almost wrong. Yes. Like it feels inappropriate because I'm so mature and so capable in other facets since I started working at six years old. You know, I'm like 85 in some regards, but then I'm also six and 12 <laughs> And 18, like first love happening way later than my friends. And yet I've already told love stories on camera. And so it's just like very strange that I I communicated stories about love. And I did it to the best of my ability. I pulled from what I knew and, and watched other people. But then when it happens to you, you're like, okay, I get it now. I, I feel this yes. in my skin. I feel this in my body. And it's so overwhelming. It's so uh, beautiful, but like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's scary. You get so nervous. Like I remember before I came out, I was so confident around guys because oh, yeah. I didn't give two shits about <laughs> right. them. Right. <laughs> and then I literally like trying to talk to women. I'm like, uh, I, I don't, oh, yeah. I can't. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's how I, that's how I, one of the ways I knew is because People like my female friends would come up to me and be like, how do you just flirt and flirt and flirt with the guys? And I'm like, what the fuck are you referring to? Because (laughs) that's called a sense of humor. And it was literally me passing time because the small talk was super annoying. And I was distracted by like that woman over there. And then when they're like, (laughs) aren't we all? Then they're right. And then they're like, just, you know, go say hi to her or like, it's no big deal. That's when the sweaty palms and the quickened heart rate and all of that stuff happens. And I'm like, oh, damn it. this these are all the indicators i need i think i'm gonna pitch a sequel and we're gonna call it 30 going on 13 and it's just gonna be about (laughs) coming out (laughs) and going through your like awkward tween years uh of gay puberty please let me be the lead that i can relate to (laughs) i mean we weren't gonna cast you but um i saw this article uh that i think yeah first are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. 
Get 15% back at hundreds of stores. And it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Sure. I actually was curious. Like, in the Teen Vogue article, you talked about how you felt like coming out would hurt your career. Some people said that to you. Have you seen those repercussions since the article came out? Because it seems like you're killing it. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, maybe it's just because we're in the gay community, so we're like, yes, I, I know, right? Right, right. <laughs> that does happen. I have a few theories. I stopped working in the traditional market, and that allowed me to create my own content and make my own mm-hmm. momentum from scratch. And I am kind of an insane hustler. So mm-hmm. I do think that a lot of wonderful things have happened, but I do think a lot of it is because my team and I have been just going full out this year. And I will continue mm-hmm. to do so. So thank you. I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> um, yes. But I don't know. There are still so many gatekeepers who are involved in such grimy things. Some of them are very homophobic. Others are actually conducting a lot of really inappropriate behavior that is like forcing young people to do things that they don't want to do with people they're not attracted to. So it's just, there's just a lot. There are a lot of secrets in Hollywood and in business, and I don't really want to be a part of that world. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of doing my own thing. I'm accepting that will mean that I'm not going to be on a CW show, you know, and for so long, like those were the coveted roles to get the series regular, you know, baked into that. You have so many different income, like revenue streams, your fame and credibility, all of that grows. And I knew that I was going to be kind of a lone wolf, but in return, I would have these kinds of conversations with people and I'd be able to travel and dive into the heartbeats of communities and actually serve with my platform instead of just glorify myself. So all that to say, no, I don't think 
it ended up being as much of a detriment, but that's because I didn't want to try and make their their game work. Anyway, I would have to let you know if I, I went back. But once you experience an ounce of liberation, it's like, I, I don't have any incentive to turn around. Have you considered moving to Canada? Because like, man, they got nothing but like <laughs> gay shit coming out all the time. Over really? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. See, I don't have a TV or Netflix. So oh my God. I, yeah. So I don't really even know what's happening. I, I probably should. So there's, that I don't look so much. ignorant. Yeah, it's, that's great. It's a, little, I love it. it's a little absurd. And also, I'm convinced that like everyone in Canada just lives next door to each other. Like, <laughs> I don't know. For such a, for yeah, such a big a place, country. like, I don't know. They're just always posting stuff where they're like, oh, I went to the farmer's market and like, look who I ran into. And it's like some like, oh, it's like this star from this like Canadian TV show that like everyone's obsessed yeah. with. And you're like, how? How does that happen? I went to my yeah. farmer's market and I saw nobody. That kind of, that, that seems accurate. I've worked in Canada quite a bit and people are just chill. They're just kinder. They are chill. Yeah. You're no. saying, you're saying you LA's not chill? Come on. I find that hard <laughs> to imagine. Anything but. Even when people are high and claiming that life is easy with the palm trees and the breeze, like the underlying anxiety and panic of this city is ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of moving from LA or it's like too much of of a hub for you? I have that thought a dozen times a day and Mm -hmm. I still don't know where the next place would be, but I also in my gut feel like I might have a couple more years here before I switch Mm -hmm. home base. But yeah, you know, it it has a lot to offer, but people, it it exaggerates whatever you're made of. It's a place to live out the extreme version of yourself. If that's your ego, cool. If that's your humanitarian work, cool. But it's it's pretty volatile, and I'm very simple. I'm like, I don't need extra chaos around me. I grew up in that, so when I look at the industry, I look at the city. To me, a way to prove that I'm growing would be to detach from those places and those people. And until I'm willing to do that, I have this little voice in my head that's like, you have to be braver, like be courageous, step away from it. That's when you know you've really, you've really gotten healthier. Yeah. Uh, Have you considered San Francisco? I hear it's most often described by LA people as freezing cold. So it's got that going for it. (laughs) I have a ton of friends from up north now, and I actually was just there for this little like tech gathering, of course. San Francisco tech. But yeah, I, I really liked it. So I might come visit. It's a good vibe. It's yeah. fun. It's a fun place. You talked a little bit about serving with your work. What kind of things do you do to serve with your work? So service can mean a lot of things. You know, it can be flat out like actually teaming up with an organization and going out and servicing a community and volunteering. I try to be really careful and mindful about that for obvious reasons. You can do more damage to the community if you're just showing up and thinking you're a savior of some sort. So, you know, for those listening who are like, oh God, the actress thinks she's helping, yawn. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware of the, the mm-hmm. pitfalls and blind spots. And I, I try to be, I try to do my research. So it can be that, but it can also be just helping unlock people and sort of expanding their consciousness by 
sharing ideas in small nuggets across my platforms. It could be a feed post. It could be a dance video. It could be the song that I'm choosing that just diversifies their vocabulary, um, increases their empathy for someone who's different from them. A lot of it is subliminal, but intentional. And I think helping people learn how to understand themselves so that they can understand others in the world is a gift. And of course, I'm on the journey as well. Sorry, they are doing maintenance in the background. <laughs> cool. It's like, a, we, we could do like spoken word poetry to it. I love it. Great. Perfect. <laughs> so yeah, um, I think service is more of a posture of heart for me and an attitude and a lifestyle. So it's not about me just like giving any huge amount of money, which by the way, I don't have to give contrary to public perception of people in the <laughs> industry. It's more so just how I'm treating people and then looking at my ideas and going, who is this benefiting? And is it helping the majority who already has the help? Or how can I include different voices and, and perspectives here? So I want to ask because I know, and we've sort of touched a little bit on the faith aspect of this whole journey already, but I'm curious now as we're having this conversation, like how how much does this factor in and if we can jump back a little bit to that discussion because I think it is important and it's not one that you hear a lot you know I think it's it's something that I think people are hesitant to touch on because a it's so deeply personal and b it's like still very controversial in a lot of ways yep you know the the prevailing uh yeah presentation of religion and Ugh. sexuality. Not, yeah, yeah ex exactly. I think that's like a perfect encapsulation of it. Um, if I was going to write a book, it would be like, faith and being gay. Um, it's great. So but I'm curious. And, and it's something that I find really interesting, because I, you know, I did the same thing when I came out in high school, like I grew up in the Catholic Church, uh, and had to have that same kind of experience of saying like, you know, hey, these are things I'm realizing about myself that I know are true. Right. Um, how do I reconcile or can I reconcile that with what I believe? And how, you know, how does that all kind of fit together? And what does that mean about me? And what does that mean about my faith? And what does that mean about faith in a bigger picture? And like that, there's so much that goes into that. Right. Um, and so I really, I really appreciated that that was a, a big part of the article and something that you were willing to be very open about. So how does that there I'm now I'm just talking it's fine. Um, <laughs> we could have a whole episode on this one Oh my god, topic, so, so there's, good. A, there's know, a lot right? to say. Yeah. I also grew up in the Catholic Church, Lee, so I feel you. Yeah, like as as yeah. you're talking a lot about like how you see activism, how you see like service and things like that. Like it seems like that probably also ties back a lot to um, some of those same conversations. Yes. Um, and so I'm curious if you could just say a little bit more about like what, where did you sort of land now? Like where do those things all kind of fit together for you? Yes. So I am a huge proponent of mystery. I really like to invite people into a place of curiosity and being willing to, to not know and not have to land somewhere. Um, because I think when you try and jump to any title, you know, from one to the next, I'm just leapfrogging from like, I'm a, a Christian straight woman to I'm a no longer Christian, like I'm an atheist lesbian or whatever those jumps <laughs> tend to be. I'm in an imaginary transcendent place where those labels don't matter quite yet. And I, I'm specific about that because I want to be able to go, you know, give lectures at colleges and Christian colleges 
and talk about the experience, but still be invited. And you've got to be able to like straddle all these different groups and philosophies. So I think, I think this is really complicated. I think faith has so many components. It's intertwined in, you know, infinitely unique ways with people's identities from childhood upbringing, the particular religion, the subsect, the geography, socioeconomic position, national identity, early relationships with authority figures and how you'll relate to God, your sense of control or being out of control. Like I found that there were so many loving and well-intended people who are simply unaware of the larger map of their own belief system. And that happens inside and outside religious institutions. So by me falling in love with a woman, I got to unravel my own discrimination and racism and sexism and homophobia and all these other blind spots that were so subtly and like inconspicuously embedded in my particular faith teaching. And, you know, I think the most important takeaway is to then be able to challenge your own beliefs so much as though you're almost your your own opponent that you're forced to really dive in and figure out the historical origins, the influences, the social movements that contributed to what you learn and think today. And instead of, you know, using the process to become more narrow-minded, pursue expansion. And like, I think just remembering that my pastors and parents and teachers and friends, they all learned from someone who learned from someone else who learned from someone else. And like stuff gets passed down and around like a game of telephone. And, you know, it ends up favoring certain people more than others, or, or it makes you feel really good about your own positions. And you don't even know that you're in a feedback loop. So it's not just religion. It was like, this is a call for growth and maturity. And, you know, I'm a citizen in society, and I need to understand the infrastructure of the systems in which I live, my own biology, you know, all of that. And that's what I want to be able to encourage people to do when they're sorting through this is like, we we get so obsessive about this topic of sexuality. And sometimes you really do just need to talk talk about that exact thing. But I would say that's one component of the bigger and greater journey of knowing yourself, understanding the world, and like living a life of compassion for everyone. And religion, man, like that, that throws a lot of things... How many people, I'm sure you both having Catholic backgrounds, like there are so many people who who are trying to, to be the manifestation of unconditional love and they're the people from whom I don't even know what the grammar is here. I'm too emotional that (laughs) I I had the the greatest pain and suffering because of conversations with them, you know? So if you're listening, it's like, I'm not attacking religion and I'm not even telling you where I landed because that's not the point. The point is, are you able to love people better than you did yesterday? And if not, you might need to check what's going on inside. That's my soapbox. I feel like every... Every single episode, I like almost am at tears. This is my moment. This is my moment. No, that's really beautiful because I I think what you said about people trying to be a manifestation of unconditional love is how I like to view faith is like that is like the teaching should be that you love everyone. And like, like, honestly, if we just all did that, it would be so much easier. And there's just like so many other yeah. things that are compounded on top of that. So I really love that. So, specifically in America, you know, and I've brought this up on other in other interviews, Christianity in particular is still, it's kind of um, who's the parasite and who's the host in this. But like 
there's militarism, there's capitalism, there is nationalism soaking in Christianity. It's not necessarily anything to do with God, but you'd think it was because the Christian culture has become associated with all of these other things. And not everyone knows and can see that. Why would you if you had no reason to challenge or change? So, you know, thank God I fell in love with a woman and had to learn this the hard way because on the other side, now I'm like, wow, I thought I was being inclusive. I thought, I thought, I thought, and man, like the fruit of my life was judgment, even when I thought it was love. I wasn't mad at people within the faith because they disagreed with me. That's not, I never was trying to make them think a certain way they still couldn't see that it was also in their demeanor and their disposition and their ability to listen and accept and like validate a real experience. It's like basic basic emotional intelligence skills, really. And again, Mm -hmm. it's not just religion, but it's like this is the whole us versus them in any capacity. Any illusion Mm -hmm. of separation is like such a waste of time and so many people are capitalizing on it and banking on us staying divided. So like the best way we could do this is actually working together and, (laughs) you know, upsetting some of the systems. That's a theory. (laughs) Uh, I have one quick petition, which is, can we get a shirt that just says, thank God I fell in love with a woman? Yes, please. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, But... (laughs) (laughs) But also, I kind of want to use this discussion to pivot a little bit to something else that you do that I think are great, which are the urine mashups, because I think it's also something that I love, which is like part of this whole reinvention right now of like, we're going to tell you what your career looks like to us, right? Um, (laughs) Great. Uh, Because we're not projecting onto you anything at all. What are you talking about? See, I bet Um, you do it. (laughs) Of course we do. Um, And we can't even see you right now. So it's like, it's great. Uh, I'll just, you know, picture you and your 48 mics uh, and tell you exactly (laughs) what's going on. Um, But so what I what I feel like is something that I have thought is really interesting is the activism, not just including like service, but also commentary. Um, And I think commentary is really important. And I think it's also something that seems like it's been really important to you as someone who is very aware of having a platform. But what I love is uh, commentary that's tongue in cheek. And so the urine (laughs) mashups are like very much that. Um, So how what was the idea? Like, how did those get started? And and how much freaking work are those to do? They're so involved. Oh, my gosh. It's one of the most strenuous projects because first of all, to accumulate the information, you're looking at hundreds of sites um, and you're looking at events that happened every single day. And there are hundreds of mm-hmm. events every day around the world that are worth yeah, noting. Yeah, shit's going on right now, huh? Yeah. And then, busy out there. And then you have to look at the, the positions and, and people who are funding those sites and realize what biases are being spread and, and trying to get to the core of it. Then you get to choose, well, what's most important? Well, why should I be the one who decides what's most important? And then you have to look at your audience and go, well, if I am talking about Singapore the whole time, my American audience is just probably not going to care. So you got to balance that with the algorithm and with attention rates, because then the video will get lost if no one cares and blah, blah, blah. And all of your you know hopes to educate people go to shit. And so, so (laughs) the project is really difficult. The idea 
came up because I knew algorithmically that year-end mashups perform well. I also would watch the YouTube Rewind videos and just be like, really? That's all you could do? And I know they have so many levels of PC and like brand whatever uh, S&P standards and practices to like tell them what they can and can't do. And I don't. So... I wanted to use that extra freedom. Yeah, right. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Um, <laughs> and, and so I, I took a whack at it, and I didn't really mean to be left or right, red or blue. I didn't really mean to take a political stance as much as offer a place to review and summarize the events. Of course, the words that you use automatically imply a position. And that was really difficult for me because I had to I had to make creative decisions knowing that if I'm defending one person, then I'm going against another person. And I don't I don't wanna be, I just wanna present. And you just can't at the end yeah. of the day. You have to say it somehow. It's also like sometimes it's a little unavoidable for people to like read in a certain stance because it's like so I uh write like year in trivia when we do like New Year's Eve every year. Um and that's what I kept saying this year is I'm like I didn't write political questions. I just wrote factual things that happened and right. like if the listener happens to hear a certain position on that's not my fault. <laughs> um but then at the same time I'm like you know I feel like the year in mashups I'm like it's like taking my year and trivia and making it like four times longer uh <laughs> and then layering it all into uh like top hit songs of the year oh and then also like choreographing it and then also like do it. i mean there's just... i mean think about it this way <laughs> too. A lot. it's a lot there are because you know pe- people will attack you for everything so i try to outsmart the critic as often as possible to keep the focus on what i want them to focus on and so so think about like a song like havana camila cabello So she, I I don't know where she's from originally, but she, you know, portrays the Latina image. So if I speak about a topic that has anything to do with the Latina population or Latina women or whatever, then it like amplifies the edge to Mm. why I decided to sing about that in that way to that song. And it puts me at risk also of the artist and the artist management coming back and being like, that was okay. That wasn't okay. We love that you did that. We hate that you did that. And so also like talking about, if I'm talking about something with the president, if I'm talking about it in a song, well, is that artist going to take down my video because they don't want to be associated? It's like all of these other things that people don't think about. They think I'm just having to put lyrics together. And I'm thinking like, who's going to come after me and what kind of weapon? Because I don't own anything and I never took a self-defense class. So all I have, <laughs> all I have are my words and a, and a hug. <laughs> Hopefully that yeah, works. Right. But, uh. but yeah, I mean, that's. This last year, it performed really well, and the response was insane. I could not believe, I think it's something like, you know, 50,000 plus likes and just over 1,000 dislikes. And I've never seen that kind of positive ratio on anything I've ever done. Like, yeah. it's unheard of. That's awesome. So, you know, here's to here's to 2019. Yeah. I'm already taking notes. And in notes. terms of, yeah. <laughs> and in terms of attention span, like, I started watching it and I watched all the way through to the end. Wow, so attention awesome. span. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's what uh, which people also said. is is I'm gonna cue Ellie because she has this question in our notes that I just think is great. So I'm, I'm gonna let Ellie ask. That. 
Did TMZ actually call yes. your mother? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why were they calling her? So I posted a response to, I think, Seventeen Magazine. They made some kind of joke about uh, like Hannah Montana or a pilot episode or something. And, and the information was inaccurate enough that I thought it was worth correcting because I had, a, I had my own show with Disney and it went up against Hannah Montana. And so it was like one or the other. Obviously, Hannah Montana went forward and mine was not greenlit. And so I just wanted to kind of correct that and, and clear that up. And then I said something like, if you really want to know the tea, ask me what happened on the set of Camp Rock. And that <laughs> turned the internet into a frenzy. And TMZ within hours called my mother, like found her cell phone, which tells you how long I've been an adult and not a minor, because apparently her cell phone was still associated with me enough <laughs> that they went to her instead of me directly. And yeah, and they were like, can we please be the one to break the story? <laughs> Can we please oh tell God. the world what happened? And Seventeen, of course, called and they were like, we would love to hear. We would love. And now I just have all of these cards and I'm looking at them and I'm like, haha, I get to drop them when I want and the way I want to. Because, of course, I got dirt yes. on everyone. Like I could have dirt <laughs> under my fingernails in an instant because I know exactly the spots to dig. But like so far, <laughs> I prefer peace and like putting anything too extreme out there, people won't even believe it, like the horrors that I've witnessed. And they'll also see me as, you know, attention sinking and all of these other things. And so you kind of have to play your cards wisely. Um, but I'm like just sitting over here, like just waiting to drop mm -mm, <laughs> when, so many good When you want to start your uh, burn book podcast. Wait, so are we breaking this on less right. <laughs> You, Wait, we're breaking. It'll you just come be see my us. Book. We'll, we'll help get you hooked up with uh, with that podcast. We'll, good. good, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wow. Also, we're all millennials. Everyone's still on their parents' phone plan. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Right. <laughs> I'm like, you found my mother's cell phone. The hell? Yeah. That's <laughs> and they called her multiple times. Texted her, and I'm like, do you really think you know my my mother's in her? How old am I? She's in. She's mid sixties. I'm like, does she even? know what a tmc is <laughs> oh my god so yeah that's what the kids uh, text each other these days right right i'm like uh, yeah. just ignore it just ignore it she'll probably listen to this too so hi mom oh <laughs> hi mom <laughs> is it timely it might be time i think so all right it is time for our q and gay q and gay Okay, uh -oh. so I'm I'm gonna intro for you, Allison. Uh, we do a segment on every episode. It's called Q and Gay, uh, <laughs> and it is it's sort of like a wrap up. It's it's also a chance for um, our listeners to join in. So what we're gonna do? We're gonna ask you some questions. They are yes or no or multiple choice. Um, many of them are stuff we probably have already covered in the course of our conversation. Um, but what we'll also do is put them up on our Twitter, and that way our listeners can answer as well. Okay. So welcome to your very first Q and Gay. Yeah, uh, and nervous. I will kick it off with. Oh no, they're fine. It's it's pretty it's, easy. They're always there's, there's no wrong answers. Question in Q and Gay. Yeah. You said it's multiple choice. <laughs> yes, or, or yes, yes or, or no. no. Yeah, and and we Max can have four options because Twitter polls can only have four options. So there you got go. it. Question one: What superlative would you most have wanted to win in high school? Most likely to be famous, class clown, most likely to be queer, 
Uh, or most likely to play Channing Tatum's little sister. <laughs> oh my gosh. C, final answer. <laughs> Perfect. I think Perfect we'll answer also. C for uh, pick up your most base. likely to be queer shirts where? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah right. You have those I know. Shirts. I have those sweatshirts, but we, we only did it for a limited time. So I can't even oh. do like a cool merch plug here. Oh, so no. I'm not if a great someone wearing them, Take their shirt. <laughs> if you have one of the limited run shirts, send them to us. Send your pictures. Oh my God. Yes. Send us a picture. Yes. Love it. Oh, so good. Question number two. Are you LGBTQ plus and religious? Yes or no? Whoa. I know. We're just making it nice and open-ended, right? Yes, no, or gray area? Yeah, I'm very gray. Very gray. Okay. Okay, number three. So I'll have to give a little bit of the background here, but since since you kicked us off with this whole discussion on neuroscience, um, so (laughs) I did uh, my PhD in chemistry. So I feel like we have to ask uh, to to get you know our listener weigh in. uh, What's cooler, neuroscience or chemistry? Whoa. Um. (laughs) Wow. Ah. Oh. I'm such a nerd that this is actually plaguing me. <laughs> um, I mean, I... I Secret uh, option C is like, it's all really chemistry anyways. It's fine. Right. That's what I was like. <laughs> how, how specific are we getting? Let's just say science. Science, science rocks. is cool, guys. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Number four. What's the best Missy Elliott music video? A, The Rain. B, Work It. C, WTF. Or D, Get Your Freak On. I'm still going to say D, get your freak on, because that kind of paved the way for all, like, work it and for me to exist. Amazing. (laughs) That's legit. It's fair. Okay, question five. Uh, What is your favorite Alison Stoner YouTube video? Chime in, Alison Stoner, out of the (laughs) options. A, Missy Elliott tribute. B, Havana dance video. C, Fools. Or D, 2018 year in review. Um, My favorite video since we've talked about the mashup then will be fool because i i got to be really kind of contemplative and easygoing and meditative and not try to overperform anything it was like legitimately effortless and i wanted to capture myself in my most natural state and we did that and and that felt nice. vulnerable and, and nice yeah nice so your most natural state is with a kitten yeah you know the symbolism there is i love it not lost on us one bit yeah right i mean you'd be surprised at how many people didn't put that together i'm like i just kissed a woman did we not okay uh let me tell you who didn't put that together straight people come on on. (laughs) i just they miss everything goes straight over their heads question number six which has to do with the music video this question is, what's the best ship name for Allison and Jasmine? A, <laughs> Jazzison, <laughs> B, Alamon, C, Jazly, or D, Stonins? <laughs> I feel like they all sound too close to like Jazzercise or yes. like Pepto-Bismol medicine or something. I don't know. Um, like yeah, something about Alamin like was like cold. Yes. Um, can I do like a different option? Yes. Please. Like a wild card. Because <laughs> I, I texted her this and, and I was like, Jasmine, more like Jasmine. So maybe yes. it's like 
alamine, like almond. Okay, I like that. I like that. Yeah. I like it. That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, I honestly am the worst at making up those names, but I love it. <laughs> uh, congrats. See, you made it. Q and Gay. It's not so bad. Okay, good. And a reminder, everyone, you can give us your answers to this episode's Q and Gay on our Twitter at Let's Hang Out Pod. Amazing. Yeah. Allison, thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been thank so fun. Thank you. Good. I'm glad. Where can our listeners find you? Where can they find me? Well, with my hammer here, just fixing their... <laughs> yeah, just look for construction in the LA area. Yeah, right? And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, you're going to have so many times that I'm like breathing and laughing into this microphone, and I feel so sorry for whoever is going to be editing. Hi, I appreciate you and your work and effort. It's me. <laughs> okay, so it's hi, I appreciate you and your time. Um People can find me and follow me uh, at Allison Stoner on Instagram, the real Allison Stoner for my YouTube channel, Twitter and Facebook, I think are just my name as well. And my podcast will be starting soon. I'm, I'm hoping to call it Simplexity, where we simplify complex Very cool. concepts. Yeah. Wow. Uh, is awesome. it not the Burn Book podcast that we were just describing? Because I'm waiting for that one. Yeah. I mean... The beautiful thing is I can do whatever I want to do. So we can make multiple podcasts because I am a multi-hyphenate as we exactly as we labeled me. <laughs> Just trying to keep Amazing. up. Yeah. Uh, we also know you have a new single coming out on the 25th, Stripped Bear. Anything, any sort of like teasers or, or what we should be looking out for for that? Oh, I know it's not not necessarily the most joyful thing to mention but the song is um it's really it's really bittersweet it's starting to tell some of the hidden stories that I was mentioning with you know family and chaos and also having teams of people around you who you know sometimes take advantage of you and so uh the song is is about being at a ground zero. You know, the title Strip Bear yeah. kind of implies having nothing left. But it's not a sad song. It's just a, a the beginning of something new. It's the rise of the phoenix. So, nice. I mean, yeah. let me tell you what. Ellie and I, uh, both lesbians, let me tell you what lesbians love. Processing, feeling, <laughs> angst. <laughs> this all is things it. that are like high on lesbian lists. Come on. Yeah. True. Well, I boy, do I have the single for you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Do you have a music video coming out for it? I am filming that this weekend. And nice. the music video is going to have a huge moment in it. And I am so excited about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm very too. excited as well. I'm like, it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be the thumbnail. Like, whoa. Yeah. Is it right. two kittens? <laughs> We're going a above cat. and beyond kittens. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I cannot wait. We're, We're super pumped. And we are really excited. Allison's going to be doing an Instagram story takeover this week. Woo-hoo. So send us your questions and she will answer some of those. Yes, yes please do. Amazing. Allison, thank you again. This has been so much fun. We can't wait for the podcast. We can't wait for the music video and or whatever else is coming up. And I'm already pumped for 2019 year and mashup. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much. Let me hear you say hip, 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 we're gay. Welcome back to Hip, Hip, We're Gay. (laughs) 
<laughs> we love hearing from you and building our community, so we wanted to shout out some of our favorite things each episode. The first thing we'd like to shout out is Audible Feast, who featured us on their best podcast of the week for our I Love Woo-hoo. Lucy Should Have Been Gay episode, which was really exciting because I love Lucy, and I'm just happy that somebody else found that episode to be great. So yeah. that's all. Thank you, Audible We also, Feast. we just love finding reviews of ourselves because we are vain self-involved people <laughs> well it's also really cool because we are just two random girls like yeah. sitting in our perspective like rooms and garages and we're on list with like npr podcasts and like the times magazine podcast there's some really awesome other was, yeah, podcasts cool. on that list with us and it is really it's it's really cool so it's all thanks to you thanks thanks audible feast and thanks, Audible Feast. <laughs> As always, we also want to thank our top tier Lesbian Jesus patrons, Amy and Ellen, Kayla Kelly, Lizette Stye, Tanya Ferguson, Jess Klaus, Danny Griswold, Michelle Ray Thomas, and Mark Foster. We could not do everything without all of you. Thank you so much for all of the support. We have one final shout out for this week's Hip Hip or Gay, which is we want to shout out our fave and former uh, guest on the podcast, May Rude, yes, who May. was so excited about Allison Stoner being on the podcast. So thank you, May. And as an extra special treat, here is another installment. It's been a hot minute of May's Reading Comics. May is reading comics and she likes a lot of comics and she's got a list of comics for Maggie Thrash has great stuff. Honor Girl is like this memoir about going to like a camp where like she learned how to like shoot target shooting. Um, And then also like it was when she like had her first like coming out or like, you know, girl, whatever thing, you know. Um, Mariko Tamaki, Dillian Tamaki's sister. They work together on a lot of books. This one summer, Skim. Oh, Rosemary. Shoot, I always miss the product name. Valor Rosemary. Oh, shoot. Valero O'Connell. She's super great, based out of Minneapolis. She's like also one of the greatest artists I've ever seen. She's illustrating a new book with Mariko Tamaki called Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me that is coming out soon and it's going to be so good. It's like about queer girls. It's going to be beautiful and the writing's going to be amazing. Remember, you can also find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Les Hangout Pod. Or you can email us at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. Or check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. If you are enjoying the podcast, make sure that you subscribe so that you get new episodes as soon as they release. We're also going to be posting every other Thursday on our YouTube channel this season, so make sure you subscribe at youtube.com slash leshangoutpod. If you want to help support the podcast, there are a couple things that you can do. Number one is easy and free. It is to rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the podcast. uh, And that is a huge, huge thing for us. If you want to support us financially, which we really, really, really appreciate, you can do so at Patreon. And you can find that at bit.ly slash lespatreon. You get some really cool perks like blooper reels and viewing parties and also ad-free episodes, which is awesome for only a dollar a month so it really helps us and we appreciate all of you 
We also have merch, so you can check out our store at TeePublic. It is at bit.ly slash lesshop. Get yourself some cool tees. Get yourself some cool tanks. Get yourself a cool screw haul shirt. Uh, we have all sorts of good stuff. Uh, new designs coming all the time. And I think we just had a sale. Is that right? Yes. So probably more sales coming up soon. Keep an eye out. We like to post about them. Um, but definitely check that out. Uh, get your swag in time for Klexcon. And if you want to find us individually, you can find me at Ellie Bridget on Instagram and Twitter. You can find me at LSH Foster on Instagram and on Twitter. And with that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out. out.